you are now tuned into the James Grage Theory episode 24 now, The Ego Trip. Uh, this is the podcast we bring to you about fitness, business, and life. Now available, now available on iTunes. So make sure to check us out there. Google Play. Google Play. So many, but I love iTunes because we're getting the positive reviews over there. Um, <clears throat> we've talked about the subject before. We're calling this episode the Ego Trip. We've By the way, about- this is live here too. Oh, okay. okay. There you What's go, up, everyone. What's up? So we call this the Ego Trip for a reason. People that are frequenters of the James Grace Theory remember our, our lot. We discussed who's stopping you, or more important, what's stopping you, and one of those stopping you. Who's stopping you? Right. One of those things that we discussed was your ego, which mm-hmm. is what we'll dive into a little bit more today. Now that we d- we do have more time with these podcasts as they've developed, we can get a little more a d- a deeper into it. But uh, some of the things we'll discuss today, uh, what is an ego? Is an ego my friend? Uh, and other things I'd like to dive into, is it a superiority or an inferiority thing? Mm-hmm. Which I think would be a very interesting conversation. And um, yeah, what is a big ego? Like when somebody says you have a big ego, we'll start with that. Like when somebody says you have an ego or a big ego, what do they typically mean? Uh, you know, well, first of all, obviously I'm not a psychologist. I'm not Freud, so I'm not going to try to give you, you know, the technical def- definition of what an ego is. I can tell you what it is from my perspective and how it's held me back in my life. Uh, you know, so for me, ego is just sense of self, right? It's like, you know, your image of who you are in this world. And if we had zero ego, that'd be a bad thing too, I think, because then who would you be? What would, what would this image of yourself be to you? Like, how would you even project yourself? How would you separate yourself from everyone else? So I don't think that ego is a bad thing. I think that when you get an overly inflated ego or when it, when it becomes a hang up for you, when it becomes an impediment, that's a problem. So when I think of people with a big ego, you could even split that into two categories. People with a big ego because they're really confident in themselves. They believe in themselves and they go out and they do huge things. And so they believe in themselves. And so maybe they'll try something that's really daring and people say, oh, you know, how could you even try that? And they're like, no, I've, I've got this. Someone might interpret that as them having a huge ego. Like, right. well, who are they to think that they can go out and accomplish that? That's actually a good thing. You know, that's the, that's the positive side of a big ego belief in yourself, confidence in yourself, where it's a negative is where it's really becomes an obstruction from you going and accomplishing all these things because it makes it difficult for people to want to work with you. Right. I mean, we talked about that before. One of the biggest things to, you know, reaching your goals is that ability to enroll other people into your ideas and get them to see your vision and to want to help you and want to work with you, want to partner with you because it feels good. Right. It's like a good vibe. And, you know, they buy into this and like, hey, you know, I want to help this guy make this vision come to reality. Now, with that, when when you talk about a big ego um, and you're saying, you know, you want to recruit people and doing it. Do you think having a big ego repels people? Well, that's what, I was, so that's what I was getting at. So I think on one side, if it's, you know, just confidence, I think that attracts people. People are attracted to confidence, especially when people really don't know what direction they want to go in. When they're trying to figure out like, okay, you know, who do I follow? You and I talked about that example before, like, who do you follow when you're lost? You follow the person that is really confident that they know the way. Right. 
So people are attracted to confidence. So on one side, it can be a benefit. On the other side, it can be an impediment when people, when it's, you're difficult to work with. When people, like to me, the biggest impediment I think of having a huge ego in a negative way is that a lot of times it's easy to think that you know the answer to things. You think that you're always right. And the problem is when you think that you're always right, then there's a good possibility that you're missing out on the truth. That's one. And two, if you think that you know the answer to everything, it makes you a poor listener. And, you know, one of the best ways to be able to learn and to be able to progress is to be able to take in the input from other people and see things, you know, from every single perspective. And so you have to be a good listener and you have to say, hey, maybe I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but I'm going to surround myself with other people that are smart and I'm going to get ahead because of that. So that's where ego can be a real impediment from my personal experience. And I've fallen into that trap myself, so I'm not picking on other people. I'm telling you that I was that dude. I got a great quote for you here. You can be happy or you can be right. And that's the part about, you know, how are you willing to sacrifice your own personal happiness to be right? With me, I circle that one because, yes, I am willing to give up my personal uh, you know, but, happiness to be right. But I would ask you what's right. I'd ask you what's right because it's easy to think that we're right when we're not. For example, that was part of the presentation I did there in Utah was saying that, you know, and we've we've talked about this example before. If something was in between you and I, some sort of object, and I was looking at it from my side and you were looking at it from your side, I could see from my perspective, see it very clearly and think that I know what it is and that I've got it figured out and that there's nothing that you could say to me that's going to change my opinion because I see it. It's right in front of me. People get locked into that. They think they see something and they think that they're right. But like I said, as soon as you think that you're right, you're not open-minded anymore to seeing the other side. So part of that is being really open-minded. You have minded. Are you trying to make the, the point or are you trying to make, make the argument? You know, Are you trying to win the argument or are you trying to actually make a legitimate point? And a lot of people sometimes, myself included, don't make that point, and instead I'm just trying to get it right by any means possible. So I, I read a great book uh, for anyone that, that likes to read. One of my favorite books, I might have mentioned it before, it's called Principles by Ray Dalio. Awesome, awesome book. And he had a line in there that was really simple, and he said, instead of spending all your energy trying to prove that you're right, spend an equal amount of energy making sure that you're not wrong. Hmm. That's a pretty good point. Um, so the other thing I wanted to get into I'll talk always from my personal thing. I don't think it's a my ego. I do feel like I have an inflated ego, but I don't think it comes from a, a space of superiority, but more of a place of where I don't want to be inferior. I don't want to be average. So there's a certain point, a level where I can catch myself kind of feeling like I'm slipping a little bit with my ego, mm-hmm. but then it always kind of keeps me at check to make sure I'm not that average. You know, like you've said many times, being average is the scariest thing in the world to you. So I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah, no, no, it makes perfect sense. I I would say that there's the other side of it, which is so much of ego. Like when you see someone who's got all this like, you know, bravado and they seem overly confident, you know, that a lot of times that stems from an insecurity. And so a lot of the ugly side of ego comes from that. It comes from insecurity and that's why the need to always be right. And, but where I see that as the biggest impediment is that 
when you feel that you always have to be right, that you always have to be perfect, that every decision you make has got to be, you know, that you can't make any mistakes, it makes you fearful to go out and try things, right? Because you're afraid to make mistakes because that, that wounds your ego. And so when you can really curb your ego or get it in check, find some peace with it, and just and the way you do that or the way that I've done that is just being cool with who I am, like not having to prove something to anybody anymore. And I really did feel that way. And, you know, I know a lot of people say, well, I don't feel like I've got to prove anything to anybody. I think we all go through that. I, f- I think we all feel like we have something to prove. And uh, so that was the way that I got past it because that was a huge hang up for me is that I was afraid to make mistakes. I hated making mistakes. And so many things I was pretty good at right from the get-go and you think, well, hey, if this person starts this strong, man, how are they going to finish? But I would only go so far because as soon as it got to that point where there, the risk got too high of making mistakes, that's where my ego kicked in. And I would say, well, let me not do it. It's like you remember we talked about in one of the podcasts, we talked about that test with the kids where the two different groups of mm-hmm. elementary school kids took the same test. Yep. One, they told them that they were special. They took the test. The other... One, they rewarded him just for the hard work. Right. And then at the end, they gave him a third test and they said, or it's a, a, a follow-up test that was clearly harder. The ones they told him were special, opted out for the easier test. The ones that they rewarded for hard work stepped up and took the harder yep. test. But that's the thing, you know, it's like if everyone's always looking at us saying, hey, this guy's good at what he does or he's this or he's that, and they set this expectation, it's hard for people to fall short of that expectation. Do you think a, a big ego one of the hindrance of it, it, it makes you kind of stubborn. Does it make yeah. you, you know, like we're talking about, I think a big ego stops your growth, really. It, it stops your success to a certain point where you stop listening to it. So one of the things that I've had to learn is to listen to people that are more experienced than I am in one thing, which is like you said in the beginning, listening. I think that's a big part of it. But I think, uh, it definitely stops your growth. Once you kind of let that go a little bit, you feel yourself kind of expanding a little bit. Yeah, well, again, you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. There's always something to learn from everybody out there. Even if you think that you're smarter than they are, or you think you're more experienced, there's probably one thing that they've been through that they might know a little right. bit more about. And so why not keep an open mind? And that, again, goes back to just being really open-minded. And I think the more that you and I talk, the more you start to see this common ground, this overlap, like, well, hey, he keeps talking about the same things over and over. But that's because they are like these, they seem to be these universal principles. And you and I have talked about this in the past, my personal thought process, which is when I first started reading a lot of books or talking to a lot of successful people, I thought, okay, those are novel ideas. Maybe those are their own ideas you know, that they just came up with somewhere, you know, Mm -hmm. pulled them out of thin air, or maybe they, you know, borrowed them from somebody else. And then after I went through all my own trials and tribulations and figured out my own formula for success, I started to realize that that common ground, that overlap between all of them was just, they're universal truths. They're just things that they're just, you know, they're not my ideas. They're not that guy's ideas. They're just truths. And so when you can get to that point, it really kind of gives you more confidence in this whole process that this is my goal. This is this is what I need to work right. on. It's not, you know, not just buying into some, you know, cockamamie philosophy, that these are core things. So uh, I think a big part of this as well, for me personally, again, um, 
I don't really compare myself to others too much. I think that's a part of part of having a big ego is you're always comparing yourself to what others have, what others, you know, are what level they're at. But to me, it's a you could tell me, yeah, but it's about proving people wrong. Mm-hmm. I think that's a part of a big ego that I try to work, but that also, I don't know, it's shaped my character a little bit to try to prove other people wrong because you come from an area sometimes like I have my brother, cousins, and we all compete to see who's the smartest. I mean, this is when, since we were kids. Mm-hmm. The other part of that is, do you think having a big ego makes you too competitive? Well, define too competitive. I mean, I've, you know... I'm always kind of fueled by that, not in a negative way, but I, it's not because I'm envious of someone who's ahead of me, but when I see someone get ahead of me, it pushes me because it, it tells me that I can push myself harder, that someone else is going harder at it than I am. That's, that's what one of the things that used to appeal to me about bodybuilding was not stepping on stage necessarily. But it was this idea that when I did step on stage, that if someone looked better than me, I thought, you know, did that person work harder in the gym? Every rep, did they push it harder? Did Every they set, make you feel discontent about being up like, well, wow. it just it just made me push myself. Right. Just thinking that someone out there was working harder than I was, that they had more grit than I had, that they could, you know, really dig down deep and push themselves out of their comfort zone more than I could. Right. And so that challenged me. So I think... You know, there's, you need to have some competitiveness. It's it's good. I think it's what challenges. I think even for kids in school, you know, it's almost like a a healthy kind of peer pressure. So, you know, if another kid sees another one reading first, right. it challenges them. They want to step up and, for you sure. know, and I think that it, it helps us stretch ourselves. So competitiveness in my mind is not a bad thing. But again, it's like ego. There's, there's two sides to it. There's a side that's productive and there's a side that's counterproductive. Right. So if you're so worried about being ahead of everybody else that it becomes a negative, well, then, yeah, that's an issue. I would say another kind of pros and cons, the way I see it is um, sometimes I I really want the best of everything. You know, If I'm going to get something, I always want the best quality or something like that. But that also makes me kind of unappreciative of some of the things that I do have. You know, I'm never happy. I'm always never happy. With, with what I have. And I think that's something I've been working on a lot. Yeah. But it is a part of it. I want the best. I want the newer of everything. I think that's a part of my inflated I, ego as well. What do you think? I don't know. I, I think it's kind of part of just being human, to be honest. Uh, you know, growing up, I was really poor. Didn't have anything. Didn't have nice clothes. Everything was hand-me-downs. You drove an old car, lived in a crappy house. And so I always looked at what everybody else had. And I thought if I just had what they had, I'd be happy. You know, even becoming a young adult, all my cars were all used cars. And I thought just having a new car, that was it. Like that would be such a great feeling just to have a new car. I didn't care if it was a Honda, Toyota, Hyundai, didn't matter, right? I'd just be happy with a brand new car and a new car smell and no problems and new tires. Well, it and it says zero to 13 miles on it. Right. And uh, so then you get that new car and then pretty soon then it's just a car. Then you want a nicer car and then you want a nicer car. And what I realized about cars, it doesn't matter what kind of car you drive. You could drive a Bugatti. And guess what? Pretty soon it's just going to be a car. Like if you can afford a Bugatti and you drive it around long enough, Everyone will be like, ooh, oh, I love your car. And you'll be, like, you. be like, oh, thanks, man, you know. Right. 
but it'll still be just a car. And I know a lot of people are listening to this right now and they don't believe that, but man, believe it because I've watched it, I've lived it. And, you know, the cool side is I've kind of felt like I've come full circle now where, you know, I wanted all those things because I never had them. I wanted all the nice cars and all the nice stuff. And then once I realized that it didn't make me any happier, right, it's like, wow, I'm, I was happy, just as happy before as I am now. I do have a nicer car, but what's the difference? The satisfaction I got wasn't really internal. It wasn't, you know, this feeling that I had, you know, if nobody was around and nobody was looking, would it feel any different to me? No. I mean, look, if no one was watching, would you really care what your car was as long as you got you to, you know, from point A to point B? Right. You really wouldn't. It's the attention you get. Right. You drive, you know, a Ferrari, a Lamborghini, a Bugatti, all these cars, you get people looking. They look at you and they think, hey, who is he? What has he done? In some way, he's special. Right. It gets you that attention. Clothes, watches, cars, all the same stuff. So, But I think you're also speaking from a point of per- a person from you've experienced it, you've had it, you have kind of can speak from that. You're talking to me now, and it's all foreign to me because now you're saying, trust me, the nice cars I see you pull up in a 67 Chevy, it's, not, it's just a car. And you have to understand that some of these viewers, some of us are not going to understand that point of view. And I think it's a part of the living. It it, it is. And that's why I'm not criticizing it all. I think that everyone, if they should, they should go pursue it because you got to live it for yourself. It's kind of like, I don't know if you've known anyone who like, say a girl who had dogs and she treated them like they were her babies. Oh no, these are my babies. Right. And then (laughs) you're like, no, they're your babies until you have babies. And then they're going to be dogs. (laughs) And they're like, no, never. And then they have babies and the dogs are sitting out in the rain, right. right? It's one of those things that until you you live it, you can understand it, but you probably won't really feel it. I wish I could take everything that I've, I feel in this journey that I've been on in this, you know, it's progress in my mind because I don't need that stuff now. Like I swear to you, like as long as my family's taken care of and as long as they're happy, I could live like – you know, super simple. I could live in just like a little house and drive a simple car. And as long as I'm doing the things that I like and going out and traveling and having experiences in life, which I think is cool, like this younger generation, they're all about that. They're like, hey, I don't need as much stuff, right? Because we're programmed for so long to believe that stuff is what's going to make us happy. But stuff doesn't make you happy, right? That's keeping up with the Joneses. And that's all about perception and what people think of you. But if you can strip that away and say, hey, that doesn't mean anything that really isn't going to make me happy, but I can pursue things that are, you know, going to make me happy, like experiences, going out and traveling, seeing the world, being around the people that you care about. That's the shit that matters. Mm-hmm. And that's the stuff that really will, you know, make you happy. And it's the stuff that'll last, you know, like as a kid, how many toys that you got for Christmas or your birthday do you really, really remember? You know, that's, well, yeah. no, you're right. you know, and that's why with my family now, I don't, I do, I did the big Christmas, like a really big one once. Like, and it was, it was grotesque to be honest with you. Like all the presents got under the tree and I looked and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I watched the kids tear through this stuff, tear through it and literally like throwing presents over their shoulder. And I was so pissed. I was pissed because there was no appreciation for any one thing. And, you know, especially for me growing up without having a lot of stuff. And I said, never again. Right. So now it's like it's a couple of simple things, it's things they need, but we go on a trip. We go on a trip every year because I know that stuff that they'll remember for the rest of their life and it's time that we can have together and that's the stuff that I'm going to enjoy, they're going to enjoy. So it's not about stuff to me anymore because it doesn't satisfy 
anything. It doesn't satisfy my ego. And believe it or not, ego does come into play with kids. Yeah, I bet. You want to you know a good example? Schools. Like what school your kid goes to. So when the dad wears, you know, the visor that said my kids, you know, enrolled at, you know, whatever, you know, school. Yeah, Westminster or whatever. Whatever. That is part of their ego, you know, when they have their conversation with their little clique of friends. It's about what school your kid goes to and what tennis club and all that. You know? Again, this is all foreign to me, but I, but I believe, it, and you can tell, especially down here, dude. We live in sunny South Florida. Yep. By the way, the weather's been absolutely beautiful, but sixty-five in April kind of scares me a little bit. My conspiracy theory mind—it's not supposed to be sixty-five in April. You think, the, gov- when, you think the government's doing it? I don't think it's the government. Okay. I think it's the you know. know well, let's not get into that. But <laughs> but we live here in South Florida, where kind of, and I think you realize that when you move from California, it's the show me state. It's what you got that matters. Wow, man. When I moved from California out here, I thought California was bad. I thought California was, you know, a little bit, you know, obviously pretentious, more in Southern California, not so much Northern California. But when I moved to Florida, I looked around and said, how can everyone afford cars like this? It was the cars. Florida is about cars. Always been about cars. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't realize it. And, you know, I was so curious. I got online and I was looking at median household income. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. How can people <laughs> afford this? But they'll live in a cardboard box to drive the car. And to, and it's all about club life, right? right? So it's about the car because you valet the car in front of the club. So it's about the clothes and it's about the watch, right? So it's all about like what people see right there on the surface. And I think that, you know, living out here in South Florida has been part of my personal journey of what you know, it's made me want to work past that. And yeah, I like to dress comfortable, but it's not just about dressing comfortable. For me, it's a challenge. Like I literally am always trying to challenge my own ego because when I walk through a grocery store or even if I go to someplace nice, if I go out to dinner and I'm dressed like I am now, I see people, you know, turn their nose up. And there's that immediate reaction to like, oh man, you know, like, I mean, I don't want to sound like a dickhead, but you know, it, there's, there's that temptation. And this is the, the weak part of my ego that wants to say, well, I could, I could buy nicer clothes than you. I could have a nicer house. I could, you know, but that's just my ego. And so, and that's how I'm challenging. It's like working out in the gym. You know, I feel that resistance and I feel that, you know, that feeling and it makes my chest tight for a little bit. And then I have to remind myself like, why do I care what this person thinks. I don't know them. I'll probably never see them again. They're not my family. They may be on my Instagram, but I don't know. You know, you don't know half the people on there, but. And I wouldn't understand this, but maybe you can try to explain it the best you can. But when you're wearing the comfortable clothing, the NorCal shirt, the shorts, the backwards hat, you go somewhere and it's kind of a little upper scale, but then you pull out that black card. Come on, dude. You kind of like, all right, everybody here, shit fuck up boom <laughs> paying with this metal car that that kind of showed look there's a reason why they make it the black there's a reason why you get that fancy box and in it and you're, all you're, no you're you're right you're, you're scratching at somebody's ego there you're right and so and that gives me that gives me that leeway and i think that's a lot of things with watches you can dress down you could wear some shirts from target which by the way i like target shirts right. is that one me brand too. Massimo. no no Massimo. no it's it's a newer one it's a new one, super stylish. Like Target's got it going on, yeah, man. They got the shoulder, nice shoulders and the collar. That's they the got, they got, they got current style. Right, like whoever right. their buyer is for Target's got it going on. So anyway, hey, shout out to Target. Send us some free clothing. Thank you. Exactly. I. Uh, so you could wear some like. Let's step down. You go Kmart, old school Kmart. 
So if you're wearing a fancy watch, if you're wearing a $10,000 watch, you can wear whatever. You can wear a diaper, yeah. right? People be like, wow, he's eccentric. Yeah. He's eccentric. He's wearing a diaper. If you don't have the watch on, you're just crazy. Yeah, you just look like a lunatic. I, I mean, you're right, though, because you could see a homeless, derelict guy walking by. can have a really nice watch. You're like, is that guy even homeless? He's pushing a cart, but he's got an automaz on. So right. That is so, weird. That's so your right, though. So the card is kind of like the same thing, right? <laughs> you know, having a, having a black card and... I uh, yeah so I mean look I still have I can't I can't sit up here on you know my soapbox preaching because I still have the fallbacks still you know can drive or you know drive a nice car or live in a nice house but even then I you know I've been simplifying I'm you know getting rid of stuff you know wife she's driving like a truck now she you know she's that's kind of her roots too right. and I think that's right. she and I have have gone through this whole cycle and you know live this lifestyle but realizing that it doesn't make you any happier. And so you just have to go back to being true to yourself and what you like. And uh, I guess you just and have to fuck go with, and fuck what anyone right. else thinks. I guess you just have to go to the edge to see it yourself. And then like, you, hey, you, you know what? You got to go see let's it. Let's go inside a little bit. You got to go see it. And that's why, hey, everyone should pursue it. You know? Hey, go out there and, and make it happen for yourself so you can buy all that stuff that you want and see for yourself. And if it makes you happy, then that's awesome. And if you find that it, it doesn't do that much for you, then, you know, you kind of come to the same place that I'm at right now. Um, so I'm going to talk about here. I see a couple of here are the the telltale signs that your ego is too big. And you tell me if you agree with these. Uh, we've talked about these before in previous episode, but. You, you find yourself being defensive. Mm-hmm. Um, you continually compare yourself to others. I think this is a big part of it. You seek acceptance to justify your ego's needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and you make a point of showcasing your brilliance, which is the thing I'm you know, guilty of. I just always try to, hey, look at this cool I, look at this cool thing we did. Hey, look at this cool thing. I'm always trying to show people like, hey, we're doing really cool things and I'm super smart and all that stuff. And I don't think I need to. But in those four points, those really kind of strike it with me a little bit. Um, and I also take it personally when someone d- disagrees with my ideas, which is wrong and I'm working on it. But those are some of the some of the things. Um, and here's the, the flip side. Uh, compulsively following. Do, do you expect me to answer all these? Because it's, you do, know. Do you want to answer I not, Well, I don't know. I was going to go I was gonna go through them first, and then I was going to stop okay. the, go with the thing. And the last thing would be consult, conf, compulsively following someone else's lead just to keep up with the Joneses. All right, so the first one, you find yourself being defensive. Uh, well, that goes back to what we talked about. You know, you're, that's the opposite of being open-minded. You feel like you're locked into the answer. Uh, or sometimes it's a truth that you're uncomfortable with. The things that I used to be defensive about, here's a funny one. So anyone who was close to me, if they said, you're being annoying, I thought that was the most insulting thing. And then one day I realized, I like being annoying. I like annoying people. Like it's fun, it's sport. I love pestering a Nick until she cries practically and then I feel satisfied. That's being annoying. So I like being annoying. So for someone to say, hey, you're being annoying, why should I be upset about it? So a lot of times we get defensive about things that we know are true and how crazy is that? So I think one, it you have to find that level of comfort in, in just who you are. Like, and that's going back to what I said before, just be cool with who you are, just be. Like, if that's who you are, then, you know, you don't need to feel defensive about it, embrace it. That's just what makes you you. I think this is one thing you preach pretty heavily and we're gonna get into it now, but some of the things to fix this ego problem you have. But like you said, 
changing your perspective isn't the easy one. So just changing the way you perceive things and like, hey, you're annoying. Yeah, I'm annoying. It's fun. It's funny to me. That's how I entertain myself. I'm the same way. Exactly. Well, I, you know, for me, the big fix for all of the ego, like I said, and it sounds overly simplistic, but it's really it's not trying to fill this void. It's, you know, I don't need the approval of other people. That's not going to fill me up. That's not going to make me happy. That's not going to make me feel better about myself. That's got to come from within. Yeah, you know, getting it from people that you you love and you care about and that you trust and you know they have your best interests in mind does help, right? It, it supports you. It builds up your confidence. And sometimes we all need that. Uh, we all need people in our corner. But it still has got to start from yourself. And so, and that's the thing. It's this void. It's this black hole. That's where... There's nothing in the world that can fill that. There's not a, you could have 15 houses and, you know, 50 cars and a million watches and it's never going to fill that hole in a million years. So that's the first step is you've got to really, you know, find that peace with yourself and just be cool with who you are, you know, and not everyone's going to like you. I tell, I tell James, he's 11 years old and remember being in fifth grade, sixth grade, when you finally start reaching that age where, you know, when you're younger than that, like most kids get along, they might little have little, you know, tiffs here and there, but for the most part, they all get along. But at that age, people start poking at each other. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Bad stories in fifth grade. Yeah. Poking at insecurities and, you know, and so we're talking about things. And I said, first of all, whoever you're friends with now, you'll probably never talk to you the rest of your life. I mean, by the time you get to high school, you might get some friends that'll stick. I mean, I'm like, so it doesn't make you feel better now, but we always talk about out of all the people in the world. And I mentioned this at FitCon too, when Jay, uh, Jay Cutler and I were talking, I said, how many people are in the world now? Seven plus billion. Do they all need to like you? <laughs> There's going to be plenty of people that don't like you. And that's cool. If everybody likes you, then you're super vanilla. You're trying to be all things, to all people. You're trying to please everyone. And then you don't stand for anything, right? right? You're just like, you literally stand for nothing. You're just that totally wishy-washy person. People see right through that. You got to take a stance and you got to be just who you are. And some people are going to hate you for it. And some people are going to love you for it. So you just kind of have to take a stance and know that there's enough people out there that are going to like you the way you are. And here's the ultimate test is who do you really want to hang around with in the, you know, in the end anyway? Do you want to hang around a bunch of people who don't appreciate you for who you really are. They only hang around you for who you portray yourself to be. So then you're always going to feel like I'm going to be found out. I'm going to the one day I'm going to be found out. And you may not say that in your head, but right. that's what you feel in your heart. And so you feel like you're trying to keep up the lie all the time. And that just feels like anxiety. That's stress, right? You just can never relax and just be cool. But if you're hanging around people who like you for who you really are, then you can chill out and you can relax and you can be yourself and that's where you're going to be happy. So by putting the truth out there, it attracts the right kind of people. For sure. Um, and I know in your regular life, this regularly wouldn't play a factor in there, comparing yourself to others really. But we are in this age of digital media and mm -hmm. we do create a lot of content and we have competition. I mean, no matter what, in our business world and the way people make YouTube videos and all that. Do you ever find yourself competing with these other YouTube fitness people or anything like that? Is that a part of the reason why you do this? Is does, is it is it ego based at all? I mean, I know, I know the answer already. It's not, but kind of give an example of how something could be driven by ego and how you. Well, I mean, I would say that in the social media world, it's easy to get caught up in that. 
Uh, and I've, I've probably felt flashes of that before. But look, it, there's people out there that are doing great content. And even if I don't like their content on a personal level, whether it's, you know, I just don't agree with it, I think their information's wrong, or I think they're coming from a bad place when they're doing it, meaning their own ego, I still can't take credit away from them when they're putting the time and the energy and they're working hard and they're grinding it because that's what it takes. If you want to be successful on social media, I don't care what your you know, platform of choice is, it's a job. It's hard work. Like YouTubers, they invest a ton of time and energy into it. And I don't think... Unless you've done YouTube, I don't think a person can really appreciate what it takes to manage all that content, to create it, you know, to plan it, to shoot it, to edit it, to title it, to tag it in SEO and all the crap that it takes to be successful. So I look at that and I say, hey, you know, that's good for them, honestly. And I don't mean that, you know, I'm not I'm not being facetious. I, I mean good for right. them. That's awesome. They They deserve it because they put the work in. For me, I can only put so much into it because I'm not willing to sacrifice other things that are more important to me. So I can only be on social media so long. Like I can give you a really good example. So I took James with me, little James, out to, uh, to FitCon. So he went out to Utah. We took two days off, went over to Park City. We hit the mountain. And after skiing or snowboarding, he wanted to snowboard, so I snowboarded with them. After that, we wanted to get dinner, so we were staying really close to the resort, so we walked up the hill to go uh, to go eat. And the resort was really cool, and they had, like, these fire pits, and they had live band. I was like, oh, this is cool. You know, Dennis is always telling me I'm never on social enough. I never do any ID stories. Let me try to be good at this, even though I'm not. So I get out my phone, put on IG stories, right, and I'm trying to take pictures and trying to type and stuff, and James is like, hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Hey, Dad. Hey, what about it? Hey, Dad. I'm like, dude, what? He's like, never mind. And I was like, oh, God. You know, and that's a perfect example where something that was totally unimportant, which is IG stories. Like, on a scale of 1 to 10, it's a 0. <laughs> and my son, on a scale of 1 to 10 or 0 to 10, who's a 10, I just sacrificed a 10 for a 0. Everybody on IG, IG stories, IG live watching right now, we're not talking about you guys. We're talking about everybody else. Go. Yeah, so I mean, I just, you know, and that's the thing that I, I say it all the time. It's got to be about priority. So when I see people that are really successful on, you know, these social media platforms, I know that they've in some way made sacrifices that that's an importance to them. That's their priority. You know, some people make their living off of it, whatever the reason is. I know that, you know, they put a lot of time and energy into it that I'm not willing to invest at that same level. So I'm not going to hate on them. I... And as far as keeping up with them, see, social media doesn't have that kind of uh, status in my mind. Like in my world, it doesn't mean anything. Like likes don't mean anything to me in that regard. Where other people, it's a, it's, a, it's a social status, right? Like we talk about watches and we talk about cars and we talk about houses and all this stuff. There's a lot of the younger generation that maybe don't care as much about that stuff but they do care about social media status, like to have 100,000 followers on Instagram and to get, you know, 5,000 likes on a photo. Oh, yeah. That means something. To me, it doesn't. I mean, it's, it's, it's nice when you see people acknowledge your hard work or acknowledge an idea, like something that you're sharing or you're putting it out there because you want to, you know, you want to help people. And so for people to acknowledge that, that's nice. And that does recharge my batteries. But a superficial like, that doesn't mean anything to me. Forget about a superficial like. Let me ask you from the 
a, a different angle, a different perspective of it. You don't do it for, let's say, uh, you know, to compare yourself to others. Do you do it to seek any respect or recognition from others? Is that does that play a part in it? You know, because I think that's a part of an ego too. And I know that I'll just let you answer. No, I, I look. I'm not. I don't want to. I'm not trying to. You know, make it seem like I'm super evolved or something because I'm not. It's a constant struggle for me. So I want to be really honest and transparent. Right. I. No, I don't. I don't feel like I do it for recognition. I do in total transparency. This is what I do for a living, right? This the fitness world is is what I do. This is my career, and it happens to also be one of my passions as well. It's also a hobby, right? So, you know, career, passion, you know, also which is helping people, working out, personal hobby. It's all mixed together. So, I would be lazy if I didn't put some sort of effort into social media. And so establishing myself within the industry is important, right? That's that's just part of business. So I look at social media a lot as just what I do, not just as business, but it's what I do. And I also look at it as that opportunity to, to pay it forward. I had other people help me in the past, like I've told you a million times. Mm-hmm. This is my opportunity to pay that forward. And I feel that I have a responsibility there. And besides a responsibility, it's a super selfish reason. I do it for a super, super selfish reason. And it's because it feels good. It feels good to have people come up and say, hey, what you said or what you did or what you shared helped me and my life is better because of it. That's the best feeling in the world. So yeah, for a selfish reason, I do it for that. And some of the content that we create, do you ever feel the need to, you know, in these ATT videos, you kind of get a little, a little uh, in depth in some of the to- topics, but do you do it to showcase some kind of brilliance you have no. on fitness? Cause no, actually, actually, I, I, there's a reason I stopped doing the ATT videos, the advanced training techniques videos for a while. It's because it got a little bit misconstrued of why I was doing them. People thought I was trying to position myself as some sort of expert, like, oh, what is, you know, he think he's an expert in kinesiology or, you know. Where's your degree, bro? Yeah, and and that wasn't why I was doing it. It wasn't like, hey, look how smart I am. It was the opposite. It was, hey, I know that people go for years doing an exercise and not even knowing why they do it because someone told you to do it. Like, oh, you want to build big biceps? Here's three exercises that you do. And so you go years and years and years doing it without ever feeling it, without really getting the maximum benefit of it. So it was just a way for me to say, hey, let me help you understand like what's going on here. So when you're doing this exercise, here's exactly, you know, the muscle that you're targeting. If you want to target different areas here with these different little minor modifications, because sometimes it's the small things that make all the difference, you know, hand position, elbow position, you know, your body position makes all the difference. But it's one thing to explain that to someone, but I'm a very visual person. I need to see something because you could explain something until you're blue in the face and I'll glaze over. Like, sorry, repeat that. But if you show me, then it clicks with me. And so that was just a way for me to show people like what's going on, you know, and and now that we're doing them again, I'm so glad I did all the original stuff and talked about like muscle muscle insertions and all that then because I don't want to talk about that anymore. I want to just say, okay, I already talked about it. If you want to understand that, go back, check out that video. But here's some different examples. Here's things that you can use on a really practical level. 
Here's some different exercises you can bring in the fold, make it more interesting, add some variety, keep it fun, but also here's a little bit why you do it. And so we've got one launching here Thursday, and that's exactly what we did. We talked about, you know, the difference between the inside of your bicep versus the outside, the short head of the bicep versus the long head. So here's three exercises, you know, for the short head, three exercises for the long head. And by the way, if you're curious of why this is, click on these links. These are the old videos where we broke it down. But I don't want to get into all that sciencey stuff because it's not me. I'm not a PhD and I don't want to try to pretend to be. I don't want to sit there and get into pissing matches in the comment sections with a bunch of people who, you know, want to debate this stuff. It's like, look, you either like it or you don't like it. It's worked for me. I've had to learn from trial and error, like from doing it the wrong fucking way for so many years, right? So here's what I've learned. Here's what now works for me. I'm able to get good results, great results. With less effort, it's more focused, more efficient. Mm -hmm. Here's all the things that I learned. Let me just pass it on to you. If right. you like it, awesome. If you don't, go watch someone else's stuff. Yeah. There's hey. no skin off my ass. And perfect transition. And if you haven't seen, if what we're talking about is on the James Grage YouTube page, youtube.com slash James Grage, make sure you subscribe, make sure you like. But there's an entire you know, series. By the way, there's one other that the team keeps lecturing me about is nowadays subscribing doesn't really mean much. You've got to go ahead and you got to click on notifications. Yeah. You got to set your notifications. We're before we didn't even ask them to subscribe. I'm trying, I'm trying to, Baby I'm not trying to jump in their bed immediately. I'm first taking them out to dinner a little bit, but every Tuesday you talk. guys can watch. Yeah. Every Tuesday you guys can catch our James Grage theory podcast live at 3 PM EST, which will later on be on iTunes, Google play, and everything to download. Make do sure you want, guys do we, do we want to talk about uh, something a little exciting coming up for YouTube? We will. We will in a second. Right now, I'm trying to work it so we didn't front end load this. I'm, I'm working on my new, you know, okay, easy transitions. And you're completely like calling me out, like, hey, are we going to talk about this other stuff? Yes, we are. Um, but YouTube, we have a lot of exciting things going on. And what James is talking about, if you guys are a fan of it, um, was one of my favorite series, is not only from us, but really ever. And we kind of did it. As amateur as as we did, but um, it's our series called Games to Gains. Yep. Um, so explain to them what the original idea was. Before I even talk about that, one, let me address something real quick because a lot of people will comment on these podcasts and say, "Hey, the comment or the content's cool, but I signed up because I like your other content. I like the training stuff. So I want people to know that we're still going to keep doing the training content. So advanced training techniques every Thursday." Unless I'm traveling, then they might sometimes get delayed. So we'll do this Tuesday live like we've been doing. Thursday is advanced training techniques. Nothing's changing there, but we're going to bring games to gains back in for a lot of reasons. With like the original cast? The original cast. Okay. But it's part two, uh, and it makes sense to do it now because when we first started, you know that I was looking for someone that I could help. Someone that really didn't know anything about working out, just say, hey, what does it look like when you first start working out? Like, what is that, you know, building that foundation? And when I talked to Kirby, I think it was in episode one, talked about the fact that the beginning, you get those nice beginner gains, right? It all starts to happen really fast and your body starts to change. And then later on, you're going to realize that that slows down and you start to hit some of these plateaus. And that's frustrating, and a lot of people feel like they get stuck there for years, right? They're like, man, I've been going to the gym, I train hard, I eat, I take my supplements, and I can't 
change. Like, and it's I'm not stuck. from the lack of effort either, because Kirby's in there every day. He's he's in there every day. I see him, and I see him in the break room. He's still doing his meals, and so that's where he's at. He's stuck. He actually he made some progress. You know, he made great progress. He put on thirty plus pounds in oh yeah in three months. Uh, he backslid a little bit, but uh, he's at a point now where he. He needs a little bit of help. He needs a breakthrough to that next level. And because it's a level that so many people can relate to, I think that's why it's a cool opportunity to say, okay, you've been doing it on your own for a year now. So let's go. Let's look at everything you've been doing and let's like kind of retool things. You're not a beginner now. You're kind of like you've been doing it for, well, now he's been working out. What about a year and a half now? Yeah, 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 for sure. So, I mean, look, he's in there every. You know, every day at one o'clock, he's out there doing his thing. But I think there's, he's still using all the tactics he showed him from the first, first run. There's, there hasn't been an evolution into his training, which I think now he's seeking, he's seeking to get into that better shape. Cause I I think he's lost like, (laughs) I know that's probably, probably your favorite part. I had an idea for a title too. I don't know if we should go games to gains too. You should call it games and gains. Cause now he's already gone to the gains. Now it's a, it's a half and half equal thing. And I think the the big part of this and why we're excited is we're reaching an entire different demographic of gamers now. We're going right into it. Well, you know, define gamer now because I would say that, you know, most dudes are gamers. If you're if you're under forty and it doesn't mean that if you're over forty you're not, but I mean everybody that I know games at some level. You know, whether it's just, you know, even on the weekend. I know a lot of dudes, that's like their thing. They're just that's how they chill out. They come home and they just spend, you know, an hour gaming. Kind of that's their time you to see zone world out. class athletes, you know, NBA players, all these guys. That's what their weekend consists of now. They're all on these Twitch streams and everything. And look, we're not dumb to understand that these are other revenue streams for us, too, that that these are platforms that we'd like to conquer as a social media, uh, you know, heavy company. We know that there are these other you know, audiences that that need fitness in their life as well. Well, it's not too dissimilar to what we're doing right, right now. You've got guys on there streaming on Twitch every day. And yeah, no, there's there's an opportunity. But I think the big thing was a lot of people could just relate to Kirby. Right. They could relate to his journey. They relate to his humility, his honesty about his struggles. And the coolest thing is the reason I wanted to do it, it was an opportunity to address common pitfalls mm-hmm. for people to see it in someone else other than themselves and be able to relate to it and say yeah that's exactly where i'm at and then be able to address all those things and say hey here's how you deal with them so it's not just following along his story you know and watching me kick his ass or call him out on his shit for not eating or you know doing his thing but it's an opportunity to talk about some of those things and for people to be able to extract something out of it right and i'm just super excited about that that should be coming out we'll be doing some more uh, release stuff information about when the videos will start. But if you guys haven't already checked out, Games to Gain Season 1 is on James Grage YouTube page, youtube.com slash James Grage. You guys can go check out all 18 episodes. They were super fun. I mean, you Which can I s- edited. Yeah, this is... I would sit there at night and edit all those, which is a lot of the reason I stopped. I just, yeah. I didn't have that kind of, you know, bandwidth anymore to be able to juggle all the things that I was doing. But now we have some help. Got Anthony over here. Who he is the man behind the camera right now, making this this live stream happen. So he's going to be helping. Uh, Mike is he's going to be involved as well. So if anyone watched Games to Gain season one, right? They know Mike. Mike yep. They know Mike, and uh, maybe that'll motivate Mike to get his shit together again because he's been slipping. Mike, if you're watching this, 
You know you've been slipping. He'll be. I think that's what fueled him last time was seeing him filming a little 18 year old, 135 pound kid. And he's Go like, get it. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah. Seeing someone, you know, really try to take control right. of their life. And, you know, that was a big thing. We talked about that before. I saw a little bit of, you know, a little bit of myself and Kirby kid who moved down from a small town down here to, to take on a new career. And, and I, I recognize that that takes a lot of guts and I'm always going to try to support someone who's going to go out there and try to get it in their life. And I would say, that is the biggest you ask like my motivation for doing content like this or doing advanced training techniques this isn't for everybody i don't do this for everybody i just am doing this for the people who are, are looking to go get it they're tired of where they're at maybe they're tired of where they're at in the gym or they're tired of where they're at in their career tired of where they're at in their relationship like i was and to just try to be that mentor and say hey look I don't know everything. I don't claim to know everything, but I know what hasn't worked for me and I know what has worked for me and I'm willing to share that. Um, by the way, thank you for this talk. I think this has been a great conversation on ego. I've learned a lot today. Um, maybe now you can help me with a couple of things I can do to maybe uh, fight this ego, rising ego of mine. I wrote down a couple of things. It says, and the big part, I think you're the preacher of this, is just change your perspective on certain things. But do you think it's more important to modify the way I look at failure or to change the way I look at success? What do you think? What do you think would help me more? I think that you, and it's, this again goes back to everything that I talked about there in Utah with that presentation. Mm -hmm. I'm big on changing the way that you view failure because failure isn't failure as long as you can learn something from it, extract something from it, and you can grow from it, and that's how you progress, right? So that's the challenge is a lot of times people's failures, obstacles, you know, that's what holds them back, and it's like this loop, right? If you keep making the same mistake over and over and over because you can't make good enough distinctions of what's going wrong in your life, or with whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. If you can't make those distinctions, then you're going to make the same damn mistake over and over throughout your entire fucking life. And it's sad, but people have a tendency to make the same mistakes over and over and don't even realize they're doing it and they're trapped. It's like, you ever watch that movie with Bill Murray, Groundhog Day? Mm -hmm. Every day he wakes up and it's the same. The only difference is that he actually recognized that he was waking up to the same day every day. And he learned, and every day he got better and better. Pretty soon he's like paint, playing the piano and doing all this stuff. But you you have to be able to learn stuff from this. And and I told you part of my steps for learning how to you know evaluate problems and being able to make those distinctions, two things. And it's everything that we're talking about here. One of them is you've got to be able to separate your emotions out of it, not let your emotions get the best out of you, whether it's your fear or your frustration. But part of that is also your ego, right? It's this hating to make mistakes, etc. So taking your feelings, taking your ego out of it. And then the second part is being able to, to get better data points, which requires you being super open-minded, right. not thinking that you know the fucking answer. Because if you knew the answer, you probably wouldn't have made the mistake in the first place. So what is it that you're not seeing? Maybe you do see one side of it super clear and you may not be wrong about it. It's just an incomplete picture, that's all. So what can you learn? And that requires, again, being open-minded, asking other people and not their opinion. We've talked about this before. Not asking their opinion on it, 
and I hated asking for people's opinion. I didn't want to know their opinion because usually they had something negative to say and I'm like, ah, I don't need you to be dicky downer with my idea right now. I'm pumped up about this. I don't want to hear any negative shit. So you're not asking their opinion. You're just asking them what they see. It's more facts, facts versus feelings. So you're not asking for their opinion. You got to kind of filter that out a little bit and just say, okay, is there something that they're seeing from that other side that maybe I'm not seeing? So yeah, you got to be open-minded. And that's where he goes an impediment to progress because it makes it hard to learn from your mistakes. That's a great way to finish it. So I want to thank you guys again for tuning in. If you haven't already, subscribe and turn on your notifications for James Grage on the YouTube. Um, We'll be doing this every Tuesday, which is our James Grage theory. Every Thursday, look out for another advanced training techniques where James just kind of breaks down why you do certain exercises. Um, We're on iTunes, Google Play on Stitch Doc, but if you want to find any of this stuff, any of the goodness, please go to jamesgrage.com. That is our home. Which we're launching hopefully this week. So actually, no, not hopefully. We said that forever with jamesgrage.com, so I'm going to like draw a line in the sand. This Friday, we're going to do our first ever email, so we've got a pretty big database already, but if you go to jamesgrage.com, you can sign up for the email, and I'm going to do a weekly email every single week and kind of do a blog of everything that we're talking about, not just with the podcast, but with the fitness stuff. We'll have, you know, the most recent episodes, the most recent videos in there, as well as some like, you know, cool contests for swag and BPI products. Nice. Uh, So we'll be doing that every single week. And then one more thing, want to give a shout out to everyone who went on, on to iTunes last week you ask people to go on to iTunes right. and, and, you know, give us a... The five-star love, man. We got we, about we, 12, 13 reviews, all five stars. Yep. So, Don't mess it up for so, us. Head so over there. Appreciate that, guys. That that means a lot, you know. So no ego there. No ego, but it is nice to see that, you know, that people appreciate it. And, you know, and by doing that, by people, you know, spreading the love, it's, you know, hopefully more people can see this stuff. And, you know, maybe it can help a, a few more people out there. And with seeing that as well... Please leave any comments that you have, all the constructive criticism. Last week, somebody was talking shit about me, yep. and I completely took that as criticism, or not like constructive criticism. Hey, it's, you interrupt too much, which I know I do. Hey, your arms are in the way. Hey, you're silly, whatever. I'm not going to change, so F you guys, but still, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. So but, we'll but be. It's, a- but it is good constructive feedback, and that's the stuff that allows us to get better is for us, again, not letting you know our ego block that out and say, you know, hey, I don't want to hear what you have to say. It's like, is there some merit to that? And you and I both talked about it and said, yeah, there is some merit to that. Maybe we can take some of that stuff and we can get better from it. And uh, and that's what life's all about, man, is just you know seeing what we can always learn. And you know that's where I'm at in my life is I hope that I've surrounded myself with people that love me enough, care about me enough to be able to give me honest feedback because that's the only way that I'm going to get better because sometimes I can't see my own shit. I see, can't. My, my boy Terry Frendo got my back. He says he Terry, thinks I do a great job. Thanks. You do. Let me let me say this. And this was the I left a response. Someone actually left constructive feedback. Right. And I think they even prefaced it by saying, hey, just constructive feedback. And so I appreciate that. I And it was about you interrupting. And I'll say this for anyone out there. Dennis is the reason we do the podcast. It was his idea in the first place. He's the one who pushed me to do it. Matter of fact, it was because of you pushing me that I think I started doing YouTube in the first place. So, look, you got to take the the bad with the good. Hey, you know what? You know me. You know this shit is never going to stop me. I'm always going to be Dennis. That's why I'm sitting here and they're watching over there. 
Hey, was thank you guys ego? again. No, that was me just being like uh, The Rock when he became a bad guy. You versus me, motherfucker. All right, guys. Thank you again for tuning in. We'll catch you next week. Same time, same place.